Okay, here we go. 361 days until Christmas. Get started. You've got plenty of time. Actually, good news, it's a leap year. You have 362 days until Christmas next year. So start your planning, start your, your shopping and all that so that you can be ready. I don't know about you. If you're like me, when Christmas is over, like, I'm, I'm done. I'm, I'm ready to be done. December 26th, the tree comes down. Decorations come off the wall. They're all going back into the attic. Like, I'm ready to move on to what is next. Some of you, though, you are sad when Christmas is over because you love Christmas. You love the music and you love the, ah, the smells of Christmas baking and you just love the gifts and everything about Christmas. In fact, some of you are so sad that you're just going to leave your Christmas lights on your house for the next year. You're just going to leave them up in protest. There's something about the way we celebrate Christmas that it's like we, we, we get ready, we spend a month, a month and a half, whatever, getting ready leading up to Christmas. We listen to music and we watch Hallmark movies and we you know, buy presents and do work parties and everything that we do. And we get up to Christmas and then it's one day and poof, done. Like it's everything, all this work and it leads up to and then it's just, it's done. And now it's just cold outside and you have a visa bill that you wish you didn't have and Christmas is done and it's over and that's how we celebrate Christmas. But what if Christmas, what if the, the best part, all the good stuff in Christmas didn't have to end? What if, what if the design of Christmas was, the intention of Christmas was that it would keep going, that it actually mattered more than just for one day a year, but that Christmas actually mattered the day after Christmas and the week after Christmas? What if Christmas mattered in February? What if Christmas mattered in June and July and Christmas just kept going? That's what we're going to talk about today is what if and how does Christmas keep going so that it matters all year long? If you've got a Bible with you, we're going to be in 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, and we're going to finish up this sermon series we've been in called More Than a Feeling, and we're going through kind of the first part of the book of 1 John, and 1 John is written by a guy named John, and John was there. He was there with Jesus. He walked with him, and he talked with him, and he did ministry with him. And John is reflecting back. It's 50 or 60 years later, and John is reflecting back on everything that it meant to be with Jesus and everything that Jesus was. John tells us that Jesus is this incredible gift to us. He's our, he's our Christmas. He's our Christmas gift. You remember maybe a couple weeks ago we heard John say that Jesus, he described him two ways. He said Jesus is first our advocate. Jesus actually represents us before a perfect and holy God. And the second thing he says is that Jesus is our atoning sacrifice, that he came to earth, he lived a perfect life, but he died for your sin and for mine. That's why we celebrate Christmas. That's why we have this big holiday, because Jesus came to earth to live and to die, to pay for the penalty of our sin. That's, that's Christmas. John, sort of like when Christmas is done, I want to move on. I'm ready to roll the calendar. John is also going to pivot. He's going to kind of go in a new direction. John is going to say, okay, I've told you about Jesus. I've been talking to you about Jesus for a chapter and a half. And now I want to talk about you. 
Because Jesus is this incredible gift. He's this Christmas gift, but that means that we are the recipients of this gift. We've received this gift. Well, you know, when you get a gift, you respond. So Christmas morning, you probably got some good gifts, and you were excited, and you tore open the paper, and it was like, thank you. Maybe you hugged the person that gave it to you, and you were excited. If it's a good gift, you'll respond one way. If it's a bad gift, you respond differently, right? Like you've been to white elephant gift exchanges and things like that, and somebody gets you some horrible, like as seen on TV gift. Oh, a, a knife that cuts a shoe. Congratulations. Thank you. That's what I wanted. Like, so John is going to say, here's the gift. It's this gift of Christmas, this gift of Jesus. And it's not meant for a day. It's not meant to just celebrate for a day and then move on. But this gift goes on every day. And John has a question for us in that. He says, okay, so then what's your response to the gift? You've received this gift, this gift of Christmas. What is your response to the gift of Jesus? Here's what he says. 1 John chapter 2, starting in verse 3. Here we go. John writes, we know that we have come to know him, that's Jesus, if we keep his commands. Whoever says, I know him, but does not do what he commands, is a liar. The truth is not in that person. But if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. This is how we know that we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. So if you're a, if you're a bottom line kind of person, you want it just straightforward. You've got to love this because it really couldn't be clearer. John says, if you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you do what he teaches. I mean, he just goes right at this, just straight at it. If you're a follower of Jesus... The way you respond to him is you do what he teaches. See, John is talking to a group of people who they call themselves Christians. They call themselves Christ followers, but they kind of just do whatever they want. Like, yeah, we love Jesus, but we're, we're going to just kind of go our own way. Yeah, we, we like that whole forgiveness of our sins thing, but we're going to live. It's kind of like choose your own adventure Christianity. You can just do what, kind of whatever you want to do, and that's how they live. And I hear that, and, and if I'm honest, it's not altogether unfamiliar. I, I think that, I think we kind of still do that. I know I'm guilty of having done that in my life. Like, okay, I love Jesus. I know that he teaches something, but I'm going to kind of, I kind of want to do what, what I want to do. I mean, aren't we, aren't we guilty of that? Like, I, I love Jesus. Yes, I want to follow Jesus. I love Jesus, but it's like everyone at the office was gossiping, and it's like, it's not, I mean, everybody's doing it. It's not that big of a deal. Nobody's really getting hurt. Yes, I love Jesus, but, I mean, it's just sex, and we're in love, and nobody waits till they're married anymore. Come on, Jesus, like, get with the times. Let's go. Yes, I love Jesus, but you mean you want me to forgive that person? I'm not going to forgive that person. They hurt me bad. Yes, I love Jesus, but love my spouse sacrificially? Do you know how my spouse treats me? I don't think so. Yes, I love Jesus, but it's my money. I go to work and earn it every day. I don't really care what he says. I'm going to do what I want to do with it. It's kind of, 
It's kind of what we do. And yet John walks right up to it. He walks right into that and he says, if you know Jesus, if you have a relationship with Jesus, you do what he says. Now it's it's interesting what John says here. He says that if we know Jesus, this knowing him, like K-N-O-W, know Jesus, it's interesting the way he writes this because there are a couple of different words that he could have used for knowing something. There are a couple of different Greek words for knowing something. One is to know something intellectually. And so that's like, I, you know, I know there are eight planets because I can read it in the textbook. I, I know it in my head. That's one word that he could use, but that's not the word that John uses. John uses a different word. He uses this, this Greek word, this word gnosko. Gnosko means to know something because you've felt it, because you've experienced it yourself. So it's also the word that the Bible uses for a husband and wife and their relationship, that they know one another. It's, it's not just an intellectual thing. It's an emotional, spiritual, physical thing. It's at the deepest level of intimacy. That's the word that he's using here. It's something that you know experientially. Like, you know that the sun is warm. Not because you read it in a book, but because when you go outside, you feel the sun shining on your face and it's warm. I know my kids love me. Not because they tell me, but because we spend time together and we laugh together and we have fun. I've experienced that. I, I know that. So the word that John uses here is not about head, that you know Jesus with your head, but that you experience him, that you have felt his goodness, that you know what his love feels like in your life. You know Jesus, you gnosko, you, you know him. And he says when we know him at that level, then our response is to, to do what he says, to follow what he teaches. Now if you sort of like step back and kind of like just zoom out for a little bit, and you look at all of, sort of all of history, all of, all of Scripture and what we know about God, what, what John is saying here is it's not really anything new. It's always been at the core of God. It's always been his heart that his people would be obedient to him, that God would teach us and that he would lead us and that we would follow him. That's always, that's always been there. If you flip a bunch of pages and you go back in your Bible, if you go back about 1,400 years before Jesus was born, you can read it even back then. In Leviticus, here's what God says. God says, follow my decrees and be careful to obey my commands. Flip forward a few pages, Deuteronomy says, it is the Lord your God you must follow and him you must revere. Keep his commands and obey him. And so what John is saying is not really anything new that he's telling us to be obedient to God. I think what he's saying is this, that maybe some of us have lost our way, that maybe this, the whole concept of following Jesus, we've gotten a little bit off track. Yes, we love Jesus, but we've kind of gone astray. He's saying at the heart of, of loving Jesus, if you know him, gnosko, you've experienced his love at the heart of that. Our response is to be obedient to him. He's not teaching us something new. He's calling us back. He's giving us a reminder. He's calling us up to obedience. That if we know Jesus, we will 
follow what he teaches. Now there's sort of a, I don't know, sort of a little, little bit of a problem here. Because if we're going to do, if we're going to follow what Jesus teaches, then we have to what? We have to know what Jesus teaches. We can't follow something if we don't know what we're supposed to be following. It's like, so like uh, at work. So if you start a new job, there's, there's rules. There's parameters. There are guidelines in that workplace. You go there on your first day. You're not expected to know what they are. Your boss gives you a handbook. And inside that handbook, it's got an explanation of all the expectations of your workplace. So now you have it. So if you do something dumb, you can't walk in and go, oh, gee, I didn't know. No, you, you did know, or at least you should have known you were given this handbook, and this is what you're expected to know. But if you didn't have it, you, you wouldn't know what the expectations were. It's like in, in school, in a classroom. The teacher writes the, the classroom expectations or guidelines up on the wall. Why? Because you need to know Here's how you're expected to act in this classroom. You need to know what the guidelines are. If they weren't there, you wouldn't know them. You couldn't follow them. So here's the problem. If we're supposed to respond to Jesus, if we're supposed to respond to Christmas, this incredible gift, we've been given this gift, we want to follow Jesus, and the way that we follow Jesus is by doing what he taught, then we've got to know what he taught. We can't do what he teaches if we don't know what he teaches, which means we're going to have to do things like opening our Bible because we learn what Jesus teaches when we read these things in the Bible. And you can't do what he teaches if you don't know what he teaches. So if we want to follow Jesus, it's going to mean that we've got to get into the Bible. We've got to open the Bible. It might mean that for some of us, we, we need to get into like a group, a small group of people where we can learn together of other people who are going, yeah, hey, I want to follow Jesus. I want to learn what Jesus taught. I want to do that with other people because it happens so well in that environment. So that happens in a small group. And, and let me just, because I know what you're thinking, so let me just go there. I get it. It's cliche. Okay, it's the beginning of the year. They got to preach that read your Bible more sermon. It's like every year. Like, I get it. Yes, it's cliche. But, but what a great time to start new habits, to build new disciplines, because we're thinking about new things right now. So what a, new, what a great time to start a new habit. And that's what reading our Bible is. It is a habit. It's a discipline that we have to create. So so like in our house, uh, you probably think, oh, you're a pastor, so you guys sit around and read Malachi by candlelight in the evening. <laughs> yes, we do. No, we don't. We're just like you. We have basketball practice and piano lessons, and we have PTA meetings, and we have to do homework, and it's crazy, right? And our family is, we're not good at staying focused on doing like a family devotional or anything. We've started like 19 and we've finished two, okay? Like we're terrible at it. But reading the Bible is a habit. And so we decided that in the month of December, we're going to read through uh, the book of Luke together. And so normally at bedtime with our kids, we read books to our kids. And so we decided, well, we'll just, we'll just all get together and we will read through one chapter at a time the book of Luke, and the first few days of December were rough. Like, I, 
my wife would be like hollering at me from upstairs like the kids are ready we're waiting on you and I'm like so is Monday night football like I don't I don't want to do this I want to relax I want to sit on the couch but you know what we did it and it was great and I mean my kids are little and so they're annoying and they can't sit still and I'd have to stop and explain stuff to them and it would drive me crazy but it was so much fun and we laughed a lot and we learned together and they asked incredible questions but sometimes we have to force this stuff. It's not just going to happen on its own. But here's, here's the question. Is if you don't go to church and you don't read your Bible and you aren't willing to get into a group of people that wants to learn together what it is to follow Jesus, then how will you know? It's got to be more than just some feeling that we have, some warm and fuzzy thing to follow Jesus. No, it is more than that. John walks right into it and he says, if you know him, if you have a relationship with him and you love him, you do what he says. You keep his commands. Are you keeping his commands? Do you, do you even know what he's commanded? Keep going with me. Go back to the passage. John says in verse 5 and verse 6, remember, we're, we're asking this question, how do we respond to Christmas? Okay, it's not just a one and done kind of thing. It's, it's not just a one-day deal. It matters. It keeps going. Okay, fine. How do we respond to this incredible gift of Christmas? Here's what he says in, starting in verse 5. He says, this is how we know we are in him. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. And again, I, I love this because it's straightforward. You say you're walking with Jesus. If you're walking with Jesus, your life is going to start to look like Jesus. And we don't have to be experts on day one. This is a journey. We're all on this journey. But as we're walking with Jesus, our life starts to look like Jesus. It's like, it's like that couple that's been married for 50 years and they start to look alike. Usually there's one winner and one loser in that situation. Right? They start to look similar. Well, when we're walking with Jesus, same thing. Our life starts to look like Jesus. It starts to smell like Jesus. We start to live and to love like Jesus. Well, this is kind of cool. I want to point this out. John says, I, I like this. He says this one interesting little thing. He says, this is how we know that we are in him. I don't know about you. If you're a Christ follower, if you've ever had the thought, uh, you're just kind of going along and you have this thought like, what if I'm not really a Christ follower? Like, what if I'm not really in God's family? What if I'm not saved from my sins? Like, what if I did something, I didn't do it right, you know? And it's like, which is just stupid to think that. But we've, we've, I've thought that, you've thought that, right? So John goes, okay, well, you can actually know, and here's how you know. You can have this, this sort of assurance, and here's what it is. Does your life look like Jesus? Is your life starting to look like Jesus' life? So then you go, okay, well, what did Jesus' life look like? What's the lens that I should be looking through? Okay, well, he was, he was gentle, and he was patient, and he was caring. Does my life look like that? Like, that's a great question to start to ask, because as we walk with Jesus, our life starts to look like him. But here's the catch. So you want to follow Jesus. Okay. So you're going to learn what Jesus taught. Okay. 
You want to start to live like Jesus. Okay, there's sort of a little catch here, and here's what it is. You can't. You can't make yourself live like Jesus. You can't make your life look like Jesus. You can't walk over and flip open the switch and just go, okay, now, starting right now, I'm going to live like Jesus. It doesn't work that way. You can't do that. I can't do that. It's God working through us. It's God working in us that will make us look more like Jesus. So I'll give you an example just from my life. Sometimes I'm arrogant. I've been arrogant for decades. I hate it. I mean like literally in my heart, at my core, I hate it because Jesus was not once ever, one single time in his entire life, arrogant. Never. I hate it. So I want to live like Jesus. And so I will tell myself, okay, I'm not going to be arrogant anymore. I'm done being arrogant. Today, fresh start, boom. I'm, I'm not going to be arrogant anymore. Guess what? It doesn't work. Like I, I can't. I can't fix me. If I could, I would have done it a long time ago, but I can't fix me. Here's what I've learned. Here's what I can do. I can say, God, can you show me what it looks like not to be arrogant, but to be humble? Can you help me be humble? I mean, what about you? You're, maybe, you're, maybe you're angry. You find yourself snapping at people. You just flip out about stuff that you shouldn't. And you look at that and you go, okay, how does, that, how does that line up with the way Jesus lived? It doesn't. And yet you have this anger inside of you. What, do you. what are you supposed to do with it? What do you do? Well, here's what I can tell you is that you can't fix you. If you could, you would. The only thing that you can do is to say, God, help me be gentle. Help me, God, to not be angry. God, Jesus was gentle. I want to live like Jesus, but I can't. I need, I need your help. And as you follow, God leads you to gentleness because he wants to make you look more like Jesus. In Romans 5, verse 5, it says that God poured his love into our hearts through his Holy Spirit, meaning he gave us his Holy Spirit to walk with us. So I can't be humble like Jesus. I can't. I can't fix me. So God put his spirit inside of me to lead me, to teach me. I want to follow what Jesus taught, but I can't. I need God's spirit to teach me, and you need God's spirit to teach you and to walk with you. And so he gives us that. He gives us his spirit in our hearts, and it's more than a feeling. It's more than warm and fuzzy. It's God walking with us to make us look more like Jesus. This is why Christmas matters every day. If, if, if it was just a one-time shot, Jesus comes and he just goes, hey, here I am. Now you know. You've seen me. Now you know I'm real. This is it. Follow me. And then he bolts. Like, I get it. Then fine. Christmas is just a one-day thing. Celebrate it for what it is. Do the tree, the cookies, the presents, all that stuff. Have a blast. Easter and Valentine's Day and Mother's Day are coming. Celebrate them. If that's what happened, but it's not. Jesus comes and he says, believe in me. Trust me. Follow me. 
and he leaves, but he doesn't abandon. He puts his spirit inside of us to go with us. You know, at Christmas, we, we celebrate that the name of Jesus is Emmanuel, which means God with us. Well, here's some good news. God is still with us. It's not like it just happened on December 25th once God came to us. He's still with us, going with us, walking with us. And so when John says, do what Jesus taught, it's not a burden. It's an invitation to say you're not alone, but the Spirit of God is living inside each of us. Christmas is not an event. It's something that happened thousands of years ago and that is continuing to happen. It is ongoing every single day. And when God says, be obedient, do, do what I say, he goes with us to help us. Do you see why John could say, if you love Jesus, then, then do what he says? Because Jesus wants to lead us through that. If you're a note taker, write a couple things down quickly. I want you to remember, and then I want to look at one more part of the passage. First is to follow Jesus. I have to know Jesus. So if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus, maybe you know some things about him, you know of him, you've heard of him, fine, but if you don't know him, you've never experienced his goodness in your life, you've never experienced his love, what you're missing out on is peace and hope, and John is writing to invite you into a relationship with Jesus, and it's as simple as this, the Bible says it's as simple as believing and saying, Jesus, I, I, I believe that you came to earth. I believe that you died on a cross for my sins and you rose from the dead. It's that simple. And if you are here today and you don't have a relationship with Jesus and you want to know more about that, please don't leave without talking to us. We want to be able to walk through that with you and talk to you about what it means to follow Jesus. But you can't follow someone if you don't know them. The second thing is this, to obey Jesus, I have to learn his commands. So it's pretty cool. We live in a generation and a place where we have access to everything that God wants to tell us. Like on my phone, just on my phone, I have more than 60 translations of the Bible. Just on my phone, walking around with it in my pocket. It's incredible that we have access to everything that God would ever want to tell us. But here's the deal. If we never open the Bible, if, it stays, if that phone stays in your pocket, you can have 260 translations, and it doesn't matter. If you never open your Bible and say, God, what do you, you want to show me? If you never get together with, with a group of people and say, let's learn together what it is to follow Jesus, how, how will you know? And look, I get it. I get it, like, okay, it's the, the pastor has to preach the predictable read your Bible more message at the beginning of the year. It's what we do every year. Look, I get it. But it's not because God has some list of rules. Don't do this, 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 don't do this. That's not why he wants you to read the Bible. It's because that's where we meet with God, and that's where God says, let me lead you. And he shows us how he can lead us. Go back to the passage one more time. Verse 5, if anyone obeys his word, love for God is truly made complete in them. You see, our love for God is, is proven and perfected in obedience. So I'm on this journey of asking God to move the arrogance out of my heart and replace it 
with humility. But that means that, that I actually have to follow what he teaches. And that means when God has put people in my life who can point out to me, today you don't act, you're not acting like, you don't look like and smell like Jesus, that I actually have to listen to that. I can't get defensive and push back from that. I actually have to listen to that and be obedient to what God teaches. And as I'm doing that, he's drawing me closer to him and it's changing me and my relationship with him is growing. So how about you? Maybe, maybe there's something, okay, it's the start of a new year, and so we're thinking about new things. Maybe you need a fresh start. Maybe you need to talk to God and say, God, I, I mean, you know God, and I know I'm being disobedient. God, I want to change. Maybe you need to talk to God and say, God, I'm tired of waking up every morning and feeling angry and bitter I'm tired of hiding. I'm tired of feeling shame on me. I mean, again, for me, it's been talking with God, saying, God, go with me on this journey. Show me what it means not to be arrogant, but to be humble. Maybe for you, it's time to cry out and say, God, I need help. Help me walk with you. Help me to be obedient with you because as you do that, he wants to make you look more like Jesus. Let's finish this way. Let me, let me just invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. And I'd like to just read something for you. You, you know what's going on in your life. You know if there's areas where you're being disobedient. You know if there's some areas in your life where you need God's help. As you think about that, let me just read from Proverbs 3 for you. Listen to these words. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will make your paths straight. God, thank you for your son, this incredible gift, Jesus. God, we need your help. We need your help to be obedient to you. We, we want to follow Jesus. We want to do what he teaches. But God, we need help. We need help learning what he teaches. God, would you help us to open our Bibles and hear from you? And as we do, would you, would you help us to... to experience and feel your love coming off those pages? And then, God, would you walk with us to help us live out what Jesus teaches? Spirit, Holy Spirit, would you lead us, guide us towards obedience? And in all things and for your glory, would you make us more like your Son, Jesus Christ? It's in him we pray. Amen.